You know that our theme here at First Baptist Arlington for 2022 has been re dot, dot, dot. And we have been re-everythinging as we have tried to climb our way out of this pandemic. And you know that our church year, we divided into eight different liturgical seasons. And each season, we have explored a different word from our theological vocabulary that begins with that prefix, re. And so we find ourselves now at the end of this calendar year, and you know that our theme for Advent is remember. And we've looked at this already, and you remember that the Hebrew word zakar, or it's one of its derivatives, to remember, is used over 200 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. But also, when that word is used, it can have the idea of appropriate actions included with the act of remembering. In other words, it's not just a word that means something has been called to mind. It does mean that. But it can also mean then subsequently an action was taken. And that's particularly true when that word is used with regards to God. So for example, God remembered Noah and he then sent the wind to dry up the land. It's also used with regard to us. We are told to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So one of the ways we demonstrate that we are remembering is by how we engage ourselves in action. So we have been exploring Luke's use of that word, remember, in the New Testament. And we have spent our time during the Advent season on the very first page of Luke's gospel. So if you have your copy of the New Testament today, we'll continue that today. We'll finally make it to the second page next Sunday, but the first page is rich. And so God's plan of salvation is the topic today. And if you've been with us at all during the Advent season, then you know that we have read the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth that incredible um, experience that that Zechariah had with God. And he was given this message that they would have this special son. And then we've looked at the story of Mary, who also received a message from the angel Gabriel. Well, when we come to our text today, we get to Luke 1. We'll begin this morning in verse 67. Zechariah and Elizabeth have had their baby. And you remember that Zechariah, um, because of his unbelief, he couldn't even speak. Y'all remember this? Well, now he's, they've had the baby, and God has removed that sign, and Zechariah was able to speak and say, yes, this child is to be named John. And so the entire community is celebrating with Zechariah and Elizabeth because of their advanced age. No one thought they'd be able to have a child but they've had this special child and he is going to play a critical role in the big story. And Zechariah receives this word from God and so he shares this beautiful song with us. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. And so if you'll look with me at Luke 1, we'll begin in verse 67. It's our custom at our church to stand and honor the Lord Jesus when the gospel is read. So let's hear this reading from the gospel. And if you'll stand, if you are able, Here's how Luke records it. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit 
and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. Thank you. You may be seated. I'll begin today where I have begun the last couple of Sundays in our conversation together about this story, and that is the gospel is the meta-narrative. Now, y'all remember that we talked about that word meta-narrative, and we have to be careful with it because historically it has been used pejoratively. It's also been used to justify some very terrible, egregious behavior because if you adopt a certain big story and you're convinced that that is the story, if you're not careful, it can justify your behavior. And so we talked about that. Remember that this this word, it's a little bit loaded politically. Um, For example, Adolf Hitler had a meta-narrative. And his meta-narrative had to do with the superiority of a certain race of people. And so consequently, because of his conviction about that and probably just evil in his heart, but nevertheless, there was a philosophical underpinning, if you will. Well, it led to all kinds of egregious behavior. Does that make sense? If you have a, if you have a terrible meta-narrative, you can use it to subjugate others. Well, but what I want us to do is use this word in the best sense of its meaning. And that is this grand story, this, this big story. And that is what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that there is a grand story at work right now. It's being played out on a human stage, obviously. I mean, my goodness, we've been reading about the humanity of this story and the geographical locations of it. We've got Zechariah and Elizabeth and and now their son John who will become John the Baptist. And we've got Mary and, and Joseph and they'll have a baby named Jesus uh, we've got places like um, Nazareth and Jerusalem and, and some village that's unnamed somewhere in the region of Judea where Elizabeth and Zechariah live. And eventually we'll have Bethlehem. We, we've got these other characters in this story, people like Herod and, and uh, Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, the governor of Syria. So obviously this is a very human story it's being played out on a human stage through the lives of real people in real places in real time with that said though underneath it overlaying it is this grand narrative this cosmic drama because we don't only we not only rather just have this cast of characters that i've just mentioned we've also got angels We've got a multitude of the heavenly hosts when heaven gets ripped open just just momentarily in the shepherd field. And so 
This is a cosmic drama. So let's keep that in mind that this, this grand story, this big story that has emerged right from the very heart of God himself is actually intersecting the lives of these human beings just like it is today. Now, with that said, let's look at this text. The text I just read to you many times is referred to by scholars as the Benedictus. The Benedictus, it, it it's really is a Latin word. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. That's the message of Zechariah. If you'll notice in verse 67, here's what's interesting in, in, in Luke's gospel. Luke has much to say about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has appeared several times already just on page one. And here we find again, verse 67, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the, the New Testament's written in Greek, not in Hebrew. And so when you, when you look at what Zechariah says, look at verse 68, if you still have your Bible open. The NIV translates it like this, praise be to the Lord. That's, that's a good translation of that word. But the, the Greek word, eulogetos, we get our word eulogy from that word. It means blessed. And in the New Testament, that particular Greek word is only used in reference to God. In other words, when you, you read the Beatitudes, blessed be, blessed, it's a different Greek word. This word, eulogetos, only applies to God. Blessed be God. Zechariah is praising God. He's blessing God. He's blessing the Lord God of Israel. Why? Why, Why would Zechariah be blessing God at this point in his life? Well, my goodness. <laughs> From an earthly perspective, he's just had a baby in his old age something that he thought would never happen. But God has answered his prayer and God has provided fulfillment of his prophecy. Why is Zechariah blessing God? Because God remembers, that's why. <laughs> God remembers. And that's exactly what this text says. Um, he says that God remembers. He, and, when, and when God, remember when God remembers oftentimes, he takes action. He doesn't just call something to mind. And Zechariah is celebrating that. God remembers, and here's how I know God remembers, because he's done something, Zechariah declares. He has taken action. Look at verse 72. He says, God is showing mercy to everybody who went before us, and here's how he's doing it. He has remembered his holy covenant. You see, Zechariah is obviously a priest, very familiar with the story of Israel, and he's a pious person, and he knows the story of Israel, and he knows that God has promised a new covenant. God swore this covenant to Abraham. He was going to bless Abraham and all of Abraham's descendants, and they were going to be a blessing to every family, all the families of the world. That's the promise of Genesis 12. Zechariah knew that, and Israel longed for the fulfillment of that promise and then God whispered in the ears of the prophets that a new day was coming. There's going to be this new person, this anointed one, this Messiah, as he'll be called. And he's going to usher in the new day. He's going to bring the age to come right here on this earth, God's kingdom planted on this earth. And it's going to come and arrive with a new covenant, a covenant that's going to be written on the hearts of the people. And so men like Zechariah longed for that day, and they believed whenever that day come came that the Messiah would usher it in, and he would bring great victory to Israel. And so they prayed for it. They longed for it. But it had been 400 years, and God had been silent as the canon had closed, the, the old, what you and I call the Old Testament, the last word given to the prophet Malachi. 
And then Israel waited and waited in what they felt was silence. And they wondered, what was God up to? What was God doing? Had God forgotten them? And now God has spoken. This is a, this is a pivotal moment in history, y'all. I mean, um, this, is, this is one of those times where you can just see the meta-narrative intersecting now on the human stage in a very powerful and poignant way. It's just filled with fulfillment. Zechariah lived in an incredible moment in time. And I don't know that he understood it all, but here's what I do know. Verse 67, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I do know that. <laughs> and God gave him some unique insight. And here is the message of the Benedictus. It's about salvation. God has offered forgiveness of sins. He's offered a, a light to shine in darkness. He has also offered peace through his son, Jesus. That, that's the testimony of the Benedictus. That's the message of Christmas. Zechariah's inspired. God's given him insight. I don't know that Zechariah said to Elizabeth, you're not going to believe this, but the meta-narrative is being played out right here at our house. I, I doubt that he said that. But I think he knew, though, something was afoot. This, this waiting. Remember how I shared with y'all a, a couple weeks ago that when they would celebrate the Passover, they would, they would, uh, they would leave a, a cup of wine that nobody would touch. Remember that? Remember they were waiting on Elijah just in case Elijah showed up. To Nobody touched that cup. That's for Elijah, just in case. <laughs> and now God has spoken. And the spirit of Elijah, if you will, is going to now be lived out through the life of John the Baptist. And so as Zechariah looked at that, he couldn't help himself. He, he peered behind him and he, and he thought about it. He reflected upon all that had happened to Israel. Israel has had many enemies up to this point. Israel's life has been challenged ever since they've lived in Canaan. Think about it. They, they arrive in the promised land and the next thing you know, they've got to deal with the Philistines. You remember this, this warring group of people? And they were plagued by them. And as history continues to unfold, they'll do battle with the Assyrians who will actually overrun the northern part of Israel. And then in this strange, ironic twist, if you will, in 586 BC, they'll be defeated by none other than the Babylonians. I mean, how ironic is that? Think about how Israel found its start. Israel found its beginning. Do you remember? Genesis page 11. What happens on page 11 of Genesis? Do you remember? It's the story of the Tower of Babel, a place in Iraq. That area will later be known as Babylon. And so at the end of the Tower of Babel, the judgment of God where the world is dispersed and our languages are confused and human beings are separated. God, God speaks a clear word on page 12. I mean, the very next page. And he calls Abram. And Abraham then becomes the father of Israel. And then by the time we get to the 500, 600 years before Christ, Israel has been united Israel has had a kingdom. Israel has had kings. Israel has built a temple. Israel has now a religion that unites all of them. They share a common language. And 
The strangest thing happens in 586 B.C., the Babylonians invade, of all places, Israel and destroy the temple. The very, the very um, place where they have found their unity, the very symbol of the heart of Israel, once again touched, if you will, by the Tower of Babel. Wow. Are y'all still with me? Isn't that interesting? The Babylonians of all people. And then once they get over that, then you got to deal with the Persians. And, and, and the story continues, the Greeks. And now guess where they are? In Zechariah's laughter. Now they got the Romans. <laughs> it's like they just, they just can't find freedom in their own land. And here's what they thought, man, when the Messiah comes. When he gets here, this ends. <laughs> this history we've had, our ancestors have struggled. We're finally going to experience victory over our greatest enemy. But here's what's about to happen. God is going to teach Israel a valuable lesson that he is going to arrive and he's going to tackle a greater enemy than the Philistines. He's going to do battle with a greater enemy than the Assyrians. He is going to engage in conflict with something much worse than the Babylonians ever thought of. He is going to address something much more challenging than the Greeks or the Romans. God shows up in this story with a much deeper and richer message and plan because God is going to take on the single greatest enemy of all, and that is sin. And he's going to address the enemy that's within all of us. Not just how it's played out, through evil acts at the hands of evil people. That's one thing, as egregious as that is. But God knew there was something deeper that needed to be addressed. And so all the brokenness, the darkness, the separation, the injustice, all of that stems from the enemy within. Because you see, here's what God knows. He knows that there is a pandemic that is much worse than COVID-19 will ever be. As a matter of fact, it's universal and every single one of you have tested positive. And that is sin. You know, right now we have a precious little grandbaby, brand new, little Gideon Lee. We took care of him yesterday. Innocent, sweet, cute. He is the cutest little boy ever born on planet Earth. There's no doubt about it. And we love him. And he is awesome. And you know what he's going to grow up to be? A sinner. As sad as that is to me, as hard as that is for me to take, I know for sure he's already tested positive. It just hadn't revealed itself yet. He's yet to say, no. Mine. We hadn't heard that yet. He's so sweet. But how many of you parents know that day is coming, isn't it? Where they bow up, they kind of bend that back, and they kind of strain against what's right. And not a single parent in this room has ever gone to bed worrying about that your kid wasn't sinful enough. Not a single one of y'all. Man, I think something's wrong with Gideon. He's just not bad. No, you've never had that thought, and we won't. You know why? Unfortunately, 
as sad as it is, every single one of us, no matter where we are, all over this world, we are all sinners. We've all tested positive for it. And that's why evil still exists on this earth. And what did God announce at Christmas? <laughs> he remembered. That's what he announced. And you know what he did? He sent Jesus, our very first Christmas present. Hallelujah. And we'll celebrate it this next week. And I want you to notice how Zechariah refers to him. Look at verse 69. He uses an interesting phrase. He calls him the horn of salvation. How about that? The horn of salvation. Now think about that. You know, the horn, it is, it's the power point of these animals. I've seen those videos where that water buffalo, that male grown big water buffalo sees that lioness who's captured one of the smaller water buffalo in the group. You know what I'm talking about? And you'll watch that male water buffalo take off on a charge. And what does he do? He dips his head and he gores that lion with those horns and he tosses that lion up in there. Y'all ever seen one of those videos? You ever seen a bullfighter? That bullfighter is made, the bullfighter's in the ring. And guess what's happening with that bull? He's coming with those horns. And uh, we went to a rodeo a while back. Jeff and Karen Williams took us to the rodeo final. I'm not a rodeo guy. Yeah, seriously. But I'm just telling you right now, the people that ride the bulls, there's something wrong with them. There's, there just is. You know, you ought to have sense enough not to get on a bull, much less a mad bull, in a pen. But And guess what happened? If they ever threw one of those boys off, man, all of a sudden, believe it or not, clowns showed up, which I thought was just awesome. I was just hoping, get one of them, y'all, because you know they're weird. But anyway, that's a, that's a childhood thing, y'all. So, uh, but guess what that bull's doing, though? He's got his head down, horns. Well, has, here's what the Bible says about Jesus. He's the power point of salvation. He's the horn of salvation. You know why? Because it took that to take on sin. Something had to be done. Something drastic had to be done. And so the Lord sent the horn of salvation, and all of a sudden we get insight. And the insight is he didn't come to just take on Rome. What does it say in verse 77? He came to forgive sin. <laughs> that's why he came. He came to forgive our sin because that's what we need. We need to be cleansed. We need to be forgiven. We need to be restored as the children of God because we're separated from God. And he didn't just come to forgive our sin. He came to show us the way. And so what does verse 78 say? It's like the rising sun. He's light in the darkness because you see, people will walk in the light of their own wisdom if we're not careful. And people will walk in the light of their own counsel. And we wonder why human beings make the same mistakes over and over and over and over because we're caught up in a cycle of darkness. We can't find our way out. And what does the Lord give to us at Christmas? He gives us the light that shines in the darkness so that we can find our way, but not just find our way, but so we can find the Jesus way. And then what else does he give us? Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Look at verse 79. What does he offer us? Peace. We have unrest in our souls. We have unrest in our society. We have unrest in our world, and God knows that. So it's in Jesus, God is answering the deepest need of every human being, forgiving us, giving us light for our path, rescuing us 
from ourselves. As a matter of fact, when God sent Jesus, he didn't just answer the deepest need of humanity. He answered the deepest need of creation, and that is deliverance from evil, God's kingdom on earth. So here's the beautiful thing, y'all. God didn't send a servant. He sent his son. (laughs) He didn't send a soldier. He sent his savior. He he, he didn't send a, he he didn't come brandishing a military sword. He came with the sword of the spirit, the very word of God. That's who he is. In fact, I want you to, Listen to how John describes this intersection between Jesus and John the Baptist. We've read about it in Luke's gospel. But do you remember how John put it? Would you stand with me? Let me just read it to you. It's so beautiful. Let's just hear it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory." the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, and he has made him known. Hallelujah and Merry Christmas.